We thought, jeepers, why not do a podcast? People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Welcome to the BBNR Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Riley Cook. And I'm your host, Dora Bush Cook. Thank you for listening. We are so excited that we get to do this podcast and help people learn how to take better care of themselves by interviewing thought leaders and experts in health and wellness about their personal health journeys. Our guest this week is Rebecca Katz, who is an award-winning author, a teacher, and is also known as a culinary translator. A culinary translator is a person that translates the science of food into what you should put on your plate. We are so excited about this conversation because Rebecca is one of our greatest teachers. She also has a very special place in our heart because we came across her work when we needed it most. When my husband Danny was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, it was Rebecca and her amazing work that helped me create delicious recipes and nutritious ingredients for Danny. People living with cancer and beyond cancer must know her work. If food is our medicine, Rebecca is one of our greatest healers. We can't wait for you to hear about her journey from the corporate world to chef to making her life's work about healing people through food. She's also going to share what she calls the four pillars of a cancer-fighting diet. It's something everyone should know. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Rebecca Katz, and we'll circle back at the end of the program. We're so thrilled to have Rebecca Katz with us today, and um, I think we just want to start um, by asking you, Rebecca, how did you find your way to this kind of work? Um, Describe it to us, who you are and what you do. Well, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Or just take part of it. Well, you know, it's very interesting. The world works in mysterious ways. And it, it, I always say to people, healing does not happen in a linear fashion. And, um, I would say that how I got into the work that I do, uh, certainly did not happen in a linear fashion. And yet when I add all the pieces up, it all makes sense now. So uh, basically, I like to call myself a culinary translator, which is somebody that is a trained chef with a master's of science in nutrition that translates the science to the plate. Mm. Um, But I would say that uh, my work has evolved even since I've Seeing you all live and in person, what, three years ago? Right, at the conference. To um, even getting a little bit more away from hardcore nutrition and really helping people connect the dots between food and health in a very holistic and nourishing way. I think that people have become totally confused by all the you know, the eat this, don't eat that. Am yes, I, eat I so agree. Keto, am I this, am I that? And we've kind of lost that connection, which for me started 
when I was, oh gosh, 25 years ago, when I took life sabbatical and I gave, I just quit my corporate job and went to Italy to, um, to, to literally, this was before the book, Eat, Pray, Love. Wow. <laughs> I arrived in Rome, no luggage, no language. <laughs> and um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, all I know is that I had gone through a health crisis. I was a workaholic and I knew somewhere that if I did not make a turn off the highway of life that I was speeding down, I wasn't going to have the bandwidth to keep going at the speed that I was going. So I sort of threw the dart, you know, at a map and Italy was where it landed. And uh, I ended up cooking with all these Italian nonas. And I started going to the market every day with them. And I started realizing, wow, I really lost this connection to food that's so real. And during that trip, I really began to feel nourished by food in a way that I hadn't felt in so long. And I thought, wow, this is really the key to healing, isn't it? And it was not a diet. It was a way of life. And uh, I, I came back from that trip and I ended up enrolling in culinary school at the Natural Gourmet Institute for Health and Culinary Arts in New York because I was a big fan of Anne-Marie Colbin's work. Um, and her book, seminal book, Food and Healing. And so I went to culinary school at the age of 37. And I always like to say, the same time Julia Child went. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, 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 I never thought that I would end up, you know, in that space. So fast forward, um, I moved to California and again, it's like I finished culinary school and I got this great opportunity to do an externship at Deepak Chopra Center for Wellbeing. Oh, wow. But it meant that I had to commit six months and go west. And I remember, I again, across the road and I just was, all right, I'm going to go. What do I have to lose? And... I went there and I worked with an amazing um, chef there. Her name was Leanne Backer. I'll never forget her as long as I live because I learned so much from that experience. And then I got my first job in Northern California as a chef in Mendocino. And I was a nice girl from the East Coast. And I'm in this teeny little town in Mendocino and I felt like I had just it was like a combination of Twin Peaks Northern Exposure and Peyton Place <laughs> <laughs> and um I and then at that time in my life my father became ill and with and he was diagnosed with with um throat cancer and I took a leave and I went home and I cooked with for him 
during his treatment. And I could not believe that I was a trained, I went to culinary school, I was a trained chef, and I had no idea, no idea how to cook for somebody who was going through cancer treatment. And that was back in the day where there were no books, really, and there, the food as medicine movement was in its very, very infancy. And I really, I had to nourish this man. I mean, food was the platform of his life and I had to find a way. And it, it really was trial by error. And um, I went back to the West Coast with this intention of trying to learn more. And wouldn't you know, I got a call from Commonweal, which is for people who don't know what Commonweal is, it's a, I like to call it a think and do tank. And Bolinas, California, which is in Marin County, and it's right, it's in West Marin, it's on the ocean, and they had one of the first cancer health programs, integrative cancer health programs in the country. And they just started their 40, that celebrated their 40th anniversary. So one of their chefs couldn't make one of their cancer retreats. And this was, this was cooking for about 10 cancer patients and faculty and staff for a week. And I got this phone call in the middle of working a shift at this restaurant and I was asked if I could go and do this. And I scratched myself off the schedule. And I, again, took another turn in the road. And that's where I, I ended up. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, you know, what am I doing here? And I remember I had all my lists and I was planning and everything else and trying to get organized and and I was, you know, I was in this little restaurant in Bolinas at this table in this crowded restaurant with my lists and being very like, okay, I have to do this, this, and this, and doing my meal planning. And and this woman just plopped herself down and literally asked me, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to cook for um, a cancer retreat at Commonweal. And she said, ah, you're going to nourish people's souls. And mm. I was like, what? Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> and she gave me this, you know, here she was just giving me the message that mm -hmm. my job was clearly to nourish mm. and to leave everything else, ego and all at the kitchen door mm -hmm. and just focus on nourishing people from wow. heart. That and is beautiful. Wow. When I, when I cooked for that retreat and that was in 2000, I knew that that was a path. That was my mm -hmm. path. And it was not a fashionable path or a chef, right. but it was the path I was meant to take. Wow. And, um, 
I I remember there was, you know, fast forward my first book in 2004, One Bite at a Time. Mm-hmm. It was more of a collection of recipes and stories of cooking. The private cooking that I did and the cooking that I did at Commonweal. Um, and there was there was no food and nutrition section in, in bookstores. Right. So you, but now it's like the most blown right, out. Right, area and the books. Yeah, right? exactly. We're on Amazon. And, You're right. And and also, you know, cooking for people with cancer was like inviting ants to a picnic. Right. Not right. many people were doing it. Right. And so, you know, and people were saying, you're going to do a cookbook, your first cookbook about cooking for people with cancer. Wow, you are really limiting yourself, girl. Mm. And I was like, well, this is clearly an area that has not been addressed. And what's so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. And what's so interesting is where you were and where we are now. And I think that's where you might be going to talk to us about like, what is nutrigenomics? How about epigenetics? All the new science, right? That's out there um, that supports the bioindividuality, correct? Absolutely. And so uh, fast forward, now we're in 2017. And even in, in you know 2009 when I wrote the cancer fighting kitchen all of a sudden there was this incredible body of science coming out um, that was supporting you know, that that idea of what you eat can make a difference right in how you feel and especially well in the cancer world particularly you were people were up against Patients were up against, you know, traditional oncologists that were saying, you know what, just eat what you want. Now we see that that whole world has changed and we're starting to see, you know, genomics and we're starting to see individual and personalized cancer care that we never thought we were going to see. And certainly in the world of nutrition and food and healing, you are dealing, you're, you're looking at things which are, you know, very personalized. How are you built? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Like, like one person's sweet potatoes, another person's broccoli is another person's. And, and Right. And I think what you were saying at the beginning, this whole idea that we're getting caught up in, in diets and different types of ways to eat, when what you're saying is let's just look at the whole food. Let's just look at um, the way we can incorporate the love of nutrition into our lives, which could change the way you whole look at the way you, what you eat and how you eat it. Right. You know? And yes. what, one thing we thought would be interesting too is if you could talk about the four pillars that you talk about on how to keep a body um, healthy, um, keep it so that it's not diseased. Andrew Wilde had wrote in your book, The Longevity Cookbook, you know, we are at a critical moment in terms of societal health. If we don't relearn how to really take care of ourselves and those we love, the plunge towards chronic illness is not only going to be steep, but it's also going to begin earlier in life. And we were just wondering if you could talk about how we could keep our body environment hostile to the growth of cancer, if we have cancer or don't have cancer, and other diseases in the body. 
Yeah, so, so the four legs of the stool are, I like to call them, I like to call them the four legs of the stool. And, and I say that, and I, I almost want you to think of four legs of the stool. And I also want people to think of a color wheel too. Got it. So the best way, the easiest way without getting really nerdy is to think about four things, anti-inflammatory foods, and the list is long. And the reason why I want people to think, I want people to think of whole foods that are colorful. Like when people say, eat the rainbow, I know it sounds kind of corny, and it's been said so many times, I would say that your plate should look like uh, somebody poured a bunch of Crayola crayons on it. <laughs> that, you know, the purples and the reds and the golds and the greens and the oranges and everything that has deep pigmentation is an anti-inflammatory food. It's like, mm. that's all you need to know. Um, you, it's like, it's, it's so funny because I used to talk so much about like every little phytonutrient, right. Everything else, but I, I realized people's eyes would glaze over. So, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in my other life, my side hustle, I'm a painter. So I always think in terms of color mm. and it's, I design recipes. So anti-inflammatory foods, boy, and any way you can get them in. So, so you would do a salad like you did at our conference and you would do like a kale salad and you would put blueberries in it and strawberries and vegetables. Is that what you're saying? Just make this meal that's full of color. Yes. And if you're not into like, like if you're not into salad, right? Like, you know, cause sometimes we all think we think about like health food and it has to be a salad, but even if you had protein on your plate the rest of your plate might be filled with, you know, roasted root vegetables and sauteed greens with garlic and red chili flakes. And, mm. you know, I mean, very Italian or, you know, you would have um, a piece of fish on um, a gorgeous bed of um, uh, arugula with, with um, orange segments and olives. And, you know, I mean, there's, 50 million different ways to paint a plate. So, so it's just, it's really finding out what appeals to you. Cause sometimes, you know, especially in the winter, soups are the perfect way. Mm -hmm. All those anti-inflammatory foods in your body and one cozy bowl or a curry or, you know, and these are things that it's like, I'll make a big pot of soup and, and in the bottom of my bowl, I'll put a whole bunch of mixed greens. Oh, that's a great idea. And mm -hmm. pot soup over it. And, you know, I've got everything swimming around, like, you know, eating. It's like an internal spa treatment. Mm. I like to think in the winter, we usually need more warming foods because our body needs to stay warm. And so anti-inflammatory foods can take on all different ways. And then the second leg of the stool, which I think is a real biggie, is blood sugar regulation. And I think this is something 
that if people be, become aware of, it's a huge, huge thing. So let's say um, you are, your blood sugar can send your body on a roller coaster ride. And anybody who has um, eaten sugar and then like an hour later is like, right. It's like all of a sudden crash. It's like, you're the four year old at the birthday party. (laughs) And then boom. Right. And then, and then what you're doing is you're, you're, you're just, you're sending your insulin levels up and down, up and down. And these are the types of things that can cause um, obesity and diabetes and, even more than that, uh, they can cause your mind and your brain to just short circuit. So here's what you do. You cut down on refined carbs and you introduce more whole grains and vegetables. But I would also say really emphasize healthy fats in your life. Mm. That is the way to keep your mind sharp. So we all know that we were sort of living in that fat-free zone for a long time. And fat has never, it's like, I, I always get frustrated when when um, a food group gets thrown under the bus, <laughs> right? right? Right. And like, there's a reason why good fats are really important, right? So our brains are made of 60% fats and also good healthy fats regulate blood sugar. So, and so when you're eating something that's, if you want a sweet treat, um, a healthy fat or some good nuts Mm. or that type of thing is a great way to kind of slow that blood sugar regulation. So you, you know how you feel when your blood sugar is off, you might feel fuzzy, you might feel tired, so those are things, nuts, seeds, avocados, olive oil, uh, hummus, um, things that fiber are great for blood sugar regulation. And then the next leg of the stool is reducing oxidative stress. Now, I know that this is sort of like, this is one of those words of like, what is right? What can you explain that, please? <laughs> what is it? And it's basically it's what happens when we when the immune system creates waste, and that waste turns into free radicals. Now, let me give you an example of this. Let's say you have a car that you are, you know, it's been sitting out forever and there's been a chip, you know, there's chip paint on it, right? Right. And it's just been sitting outside and it starts to to rust, okay? That is oxidative stress. Another example, a visual I like to use is when you cut an apple and you leave it out and it starts turning brown, that is oxidative stress. So basically a cellular process that, that creates this rust, this internal rust. And so what do you do 
with these crazy, like that rust that's running around, right? That's all of a sudden like in your body. Well, you neutralize it and you, you, you eat foods that are high in antioxidants. And, and I call antioxidants your protective posse. Now, what are antioxidants? <laughs> oh, that's another food, right? That's like another word. <laughs> well, antioxidants are foods that are back to our rainbow, right? So foods that are really high in antioxidants are the very foods that are our anti-inflammatory foods, that are our really colorful foods, that are the, you know, that are usually plant-based that are going to, they have, they have been growing up from the ground and they have created, they have had to survive to grow. They've had to survive nature. Mm. So they have all of these protective properties that they had to, you know, inherit to, to like be able to grow into that bunch of kale. Well, those phytochemicals, those plants, give you all of that nourishment you need to fight off mm-hmm. oxidative stress. How does oxidative stress look? Like, what does it look like? Is it when I'm achy? Is it, what is it? Yeah, so here's here's a good, here's a good example of like, so what does that mean? Like, how does it make me feel? You could be achy, your gut could hurt, you could just feel um, bloated, you could, feel tired, you could, um, you, you could develop a chronic, you know, immune disease, you could, um, you could just be totally fatigued, you your cortisol levels could be off the charts, you don't, you could feel very low energy, you might not be concentrating well, you're setting yourself up for more chronic diseases to set in. So again, you know, going back to things that are really good, um, that are high in antioxidants besides um, plants would be things like green tea, even coffee, um, uh, olive oil, those good healthy fats, all of those can help protect against oxidative stress. So that, and also I would add, so does other things like meditation and other mm. healthy modalities and lifestyles to exercise. So food is just, you know, one of what we can do. And then the fourth pillar. Okay. So the fourth pillar is a little bit more complicated. And that is what I call the regula- It's the regulation of NF-kappa-B. And what is that? What is that? NF-kappa B. Okay. okay. It's a protein <laughs> complex that controls the transcription of your DNA. And so... So is it like right? the housekeeper of all the genes in there? Like, does it keep the house sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So it re- regulating NF-kappa B with the food that you eat can help turn that cancer switch off. So it's like the master switch. Now, here, here's a perfect example. 
let's imagine that your parents leave the house and the teenagers decide to have a party. Right. And your friends get rowdy and everything <laughs> That's gets happened, by the way, <laughs> a lot. And the police come. And so NF Kappa B is like the rowdies, right? <laughs> the house rowdies. So you want to inhibit that. It's like, the, it's like the parents that are restoring order in the house, right? So the best way to regulate, and again, and herbs and spices are the best way to regulate NF-kappa B. So this is where, you know, we talk about epigenetics. Yes, yes. And gene, and gene expression and how we express our genes and how we, this is where regulating our gene expression through food really is, um, this is where, where the metal hits the road, where the rubber hits the road, rather. Mm-hmm. So things like basil and rosemary and ginger and meat and mint and turmeric, all of those things can help, you know, you express your genes in their best light and keep the rowdies out. You know, it's sort of like the policeman. Right, right. Um, the body. So, so just again, like think of the food you eat as spilling Crayola crayons in your on your plate, and think about regulating your blood sugar by eating plenty of fiber. And by the way, avocados, super high in fiber, healthy fats. So satiating. So satiating. Um, They're the best. <laughs> yes. And um and pistachios. So and then reducing that oxidative stress, which means getting like citrus in your life and um um and and all those plants again in there and then herbs and spices. Those that's that's your that's your pillar. Right. That's incredible. And that's creating this garden, right, that that um, keeps the weeds down, I guess, right? That's, that's right. So you want to create a garden that's inhospitable to creating chronic diseases. That's and, the goal. And to know that's that, yeah, and to know that this is actually in our control, I think oftentimes when people are dealing with different kind of diagnoses, they think, oh no, this is what I've got for the rest of my life. But what I think this is awesome. We can do this and actually change things, right? Yes. And I think at the end of the day, circling back to sort of like all these diets and these confusing things that are really confusing is to know that food and cooking and cooking a nourishing meal that brings you joy Mm-hmm. is the most empowering thing you can do for yourself. It's unbelievable. You know, I mean, it's like taking really a good is. walk. It's just, there's, there's, and we tend to push food um, away and say we don't have time. But, you know, really time is a very flexible type of thing. It just depends on how we organize it and how we prioritize it. But I would say, food, you know, um, it doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to be a gourmet cook. You can be an assembler. Right, right. Right. So, I mean, you could, you can throw together something. You could, let's say you're a salad eater. You can throw a salad together and 
you know, maybe you don't normally throw in some chopped mint, but maybe you will now. Right, right, right. <laughs> maybe you'll add a little turmeric to your salad dressing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every little bit counts. Right. Mm-hmm. Change, you change things. Um, Rebecca, can you give us a few of your favorite quick tips um, on some of the foods that are that you that are great medicine? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well. Um, let's see. Um, herbs and spices are the most underrated of the food set. So, for example, mint, huge. It's great for your mind. It's great for regulating those, those, those crazy kids in your body that are <laughs> around. Um, ginger, anti-inflammatory cinnamon, a great blood sugar regulator. So add herbs and spices to your life. How does olive oil, once I heard you say that olive oil can do the job of an Advil, how does that work? Oh gosh. (laughs) Yes. So, um, there are, um, there are polyphenols and and olive oil that are super anti-inflammatory. And when you get a olive oil that is freshly pressed, and you know it because it sort of has that, it sort of has a little heat in the back of your throat after you, you know, after you have some. That is the anti-inflammatory effects of olive oil. So that's a super anti-inflammatory food. And right now, you're starting to see a lot of good extra virgin olive oil and it's called December oil actually um, that comes on the market that's that first press that is super high in that 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 antioxidant that's super anti-inflammatory that is found in a lot of medical anti-inflammatories so olive oil would be like high up on the list Mm -hmm. and not only is it anti-inflammatory but again it regulates blood sugar it regulates that olive oil does all those things. All that's a part of the four legs. It's <laughs> definitely super important. Um, and then cold water fish. Oh. So start loving cold water salmon. Or if you're, I know not many people are anchovy and sardine people, but if you are, uh, boy, an amazing anti-inflammatory food. And then green. Paint your plate green, whether it's dark leafy greens or it's the cruciferi family or um, it's getting, um, you know, or it's arugula or whatever it is, paint your plate green because all of those dark leafy greens have so much anti-inflammatory oxidative stress. I mean, there are the everything. So those, those are, I think, you know, some of my favorite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking Hippocrates would be so proud of you, you know, to bring, (laughs) to be bringing this so mainstream to us. Amazing. Just amazing. (laughs) Well, I would say like now, um, green and red. I mean, think about like, like sauteed, dark leafy greens with in olive oil and garlic and 
and with a couple of pomegranate seeds thrown in or like delicata squash or winter squash or I am so hungry right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, I mean, and ginger, I mean, and that's the other thing I just want to leave people with is that when you are eating and addressing the four legs of the stool or, or nourishing your body, you have to have the power of yum. Mm. It has to be that involuntary spasm of vocal delight when you take a bite and you go, mm-hmm. this is wow. so good. Yeah. Right? And that that's very important because we think, oh, we're eating healthy. We have to sacrifice taste. But all the foods, olive oil and herbs and spices, those are the foods that mm-hmm. make your food taste great. Mm-hmm. The days of like, Steamed vegetables and steamed rice <laughs> need to be left in the 1970s. 80s. <laughs> this is 2017. Your dollop it, recipes are incredible. I mean, that's where we can bring that yum factor in, right? Oh, big, big time. So, you know, I mean, that's just, you know, rising together um, herbs, olive oil, lemon juice, and a little sea salt and just drizzling it all over everything. So, Really, we are living in a time where we have access to um, ways to make our food yummy. And again, um, be an assembler. And dollops are a great entryway for people who aren't cooks. But just to put a few things together and chop them up and throw them on top of something that you might have brought back from the store. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to bring a little extra pizzazz and yum into your world. People can come and visit my website. And I have two online courses. One is uh, the Cancer Fighting Kitchen. And it's a very dynamic online course filled with how-to videos and lots of terrific information that really brings the notion of Uh, the cancer fighting kitchen to life in your own home. And the other is um, a course based on clean soups. So if you want to learn how to be a soup master, that's a wonderful course to take. And I also, because I think that sometimes you need to really see it. So these are, you know, it's not like you have to sit in front of your computer for an hour and a half. You just, you know, you can click on a module and say, God, I want to learn about that. And then I'm in your kitchen with you. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us and for bringing us food that's medicinal, that also tastes good. And it's a real gift to the world. And Trisha and I are grateful. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you today. Thank you for joining us this week. We loved having you with us and look forward to seeing you next week. Um, In the meantime, look us up at bbnrconsulting.us. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a message. Until then, I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.